Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The conscious mind is the latest evolution. That's what separates humans from all the other organisms. We can think. Ha! We can imagine. The conscious mind's creative mind has got all the wishes and desires. It is the mind that controls the chemistry of the body, which epigenetically controls your genetics. Your mind controls your genes. Welcome to the Unwind Podcast, a podcast for you to relax, drift off, and allow your mind to wander. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and researcher on a mission to share information that will help you live happier, healthier, and with more love, optimism, and wisdom. This podcast features interviews with well-known guests and world-leading experts about what it truly means to be human and what we can do to become the very best versions of ourselves. On the podcast this week, I have the pleasure to speak to the world-renowned scientist and author, Bruce Lipton. Bruce is 78 years old, and over his career, he's completely challenged the way the world understood the mind, body, and genetics, and how they all worked together. In the 60s, he discovered through a science experiment that genes were influenced by their outside environment. He noticed that genes behaved differently depending on what was happening around them. Up until then, it was thought that genes were destiny. This phenomena is called epigenetics, and Bruce is one of the pioneering researchers and educators in the field for nearly 50 years. He revolutionized the way we started to understand what caused health outcomes and biology. Bruce's best-selling books include The Biology of Belief and Spontaneous Evolution, and they have inspired a movement to rethink the way we understand the power of belief and the role in which consciousness shapes our lives. In this interview, Bruce shares his passion for epigenetics. Some of his ideas might surprise you or challenge the way you think, but stay patient and I hope you enjoy what he has to say as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. I am beyond excited to talk to Bruce today because as I was just explaining to him before, I read Biology of Belief about 10 years ago and I passed it to my mother. She's obsessed. And it's one of those books that I recommend every single person read because it completely challenges the way we see everything. So huge, huge honor and privilege to have you on the show today. I am honored that uh, you put me in front of all your your followers because um I love sharing this information. I love empowering people. And I have to say, no, I'm a student <laughs> uh, of the information that I teach. Uh, and it so profoundly changed me. And I used to be a professor in a medical school teaching the idea that genes control our lives. And almost everybody out here has got that belief system. Genes turn on and off and in the process control your life. Uh, and then I say, well, as far as you know, did you pick the genes you came with? And you go, no. And then I say, can you change the genes that you came with? And the answer is no. And then I say, don't you, uh, you, you've heard that genes turn on and off by themselves? Yes. What does that mean? Very significantly, what it means is 
you are a victim of your heredity. You're a victim of your genes. Oh my God, there's cancer running in my family. I'm going to get cancer and heart disease. And my dad died when he was 50. And my grandfather died when he was 47. I'm going to be 48. You know, and people freak out. They freak out because the story that you've learned is a story of victim. You can't change these genes. And they turn on and off control you. And I go, wow, what's significant here? The new story, which is called epigenetics, epi means above. Epigenetics is control above the genes. The truth is simply this. It's your consciousness that controls your genetics. Biology now shows uh, that your consciousness, your thoughts, are translated into chemistry that goes into your body. So you have feelings. Your thoughts have feelings to them. I go, yeah, but the feelings are from the body. The thoughts are from the head. I go, well, the feelings mean that the chemistry of your blood was affected by your thought. If you're afraid, all of a sudden you get queasy in your stomach and you start feeling nervous and anxious and your body's going (gasps) like this. I go, well, there's a thought of fear and there's a chemistry of fear. There's Mm -hmm. a thought of love. There's a chemistry of love. So your thoughts are translated into chemistry. The chemistry is in the blood. And the blood is what nourishes all the cells. So whatever chemistry your thoughts are creating is going into your blood, and that chemistry is going to your cells. So here's the significance. Your thoughts control your genes. It's called the placebo effect. Let's say you're sick. If somebody is very sick and the doctor comes up and says, I got the newest, greatest medicine in the whole world that's just made, just came out, just for you. You take this medicine, you get better. But then you find out it was a sugar pill. That's called a placebo. You thought the pill was healing you, but the sugar, it's just sugar. The thought of healing changed the chemistry of the body to healing. And you healed yourself with your thought. And so all of a sudden it says, your thoughts are creating your life. I'll give you a very simple example because a lot of women are on this network and it's a very important part for me to emphasize this because so many women have gone, of course, uh, into the BRCA cancer gene, the breast cancer gene, because obviously very personal. (laughs) And I go, what does it represent? Well, it's the belief that this gene causes cancer. False. (laughs) The gene does not cause cancer. There is no gene that does cause cancer. I go, well, then where the hell did the cancer come from? The behavior that is not in harmony with life creates a disharmony in the chemistry, which controls your life. 50% of the women that have the gene never get the cancer. So there's a very important point. It says, having the gene doesn't mean you get cancer. Having the gene and not living in harmony, that's where the cancer comes from. And just to give you a a connection here, a a scientific study said, what happens to children who get adopted into a family where there is cancer running in that family? The adopted child will get the same family cancer. Yeah, but the adopted child has totally different genetics. What was the point? The cancer didn't come from the genes. It came from passing down programs from parent to child, parent to child, and it runs in a family because the programs are passed from one to the next. It's the first seven years of your life that determine the programs in your subconscious mind. And that 
your life is not coming from the conscious mind. I go, well, wait, conscious, subconscious, what's the difference? Let's get it clear. The conscious mind is the latest evolution. That's what separates humans from all the other organisms. We can think, ha, we can imagine. Because if that mind can imagine, then that mind can create. I go, yeah, that mind is like the architect that can create whatever I imagine. I go, yes, it does. Well, then how come if my imagination can have a vision of heaven on earth, why, how come I'm not experiencing it here? Why am I having trouble with relationships? Why, why am I having trouble with a job? Why am I having trouble with my health? Because the subconscious mind is the equivalent of a hard drive in a computer. The brain is a computer. The conscious mind is you. When you type on the computer, that's your information going into the computer. But the programs that are in the computer can run by themselves. They don't need you, okay? So here's the point. Two minds. Conscious mind creator. Wishes, imaginations, desires, love, peace, health, joy. Subconscious mind, hard drive, programs, how to drive a car, how to walk. Do you have to think about it? Nope. You just have to have an intention. I want to go there. And you walk. Who controls the walking? Oh, the subconscious mind knows how to walk. It can pro it's programmed how to walk. You learned it before you were two. And I guess what? You can be 102 and still walk because that program you got at two will work for the rest of your life. The conscious mind's creative mind has got all the wishes and desires. It is the mind that controls the chemistry of the body, which epigenetically controls your genetics. Your mind controls your genes. Positive thinking makes a positive healing. Nobody says, well, what about negative thinking? Yes, negative thinking is equally powerful to positive thinking, but in the opposite direction. Positive thinking can heal you of any disease. Negative thinking can create any disease. Both of them powerful. Which one are you thinking, positive or negative? Becomes very important at this moment. Which one you're thinking because that thinking is going to create the chemistry that creates the genetics, which creates the behavior. I've got so many questions and thank you so much for giving that incredible explanation of the groundwork of everything that you've pioneered. Firstly, you introduced this idea nearly 40, 50 years ago, and it was met with a lot of controversy. Why do you think that people have struggled and it's taken you decades really to get this, I would say, full understanding and full kind of onboarding from people now that this is the case and 40 years ago they were stuck, unable to see it. Money talks. What is the belief system that we have? I'm a victim of my genes. Can I do anything about it? No. What will I do if I have a problem? I will seek a rescuer. Mm. I will find somebody who's going to help me because I'm a victim. I have no power. As long as you feel you're a victim, you empower people. You give them your money. You give the pharmaceutical your money. You give the doctors your money. Do you think the healthcare industry, which is the second biggest industry on the planet, is going to say, oh, you could heal yourself. You don't need me. Of course they're not going to say that. It took 40 years, 50 years, but science has now recognized the truth. It's not genetics, which is the victim part. Mm. It's epigenetics since 1990. Mm. That's when science recognized what I was talking about in 1967. 
It took that many years before science finally said, oh my God, genes don't control life. And the issue is, well, I've been ahead of them now for 27 years or more anyway. Uh, and the fact is this, the money does not want you to switch your allegiance. It moves at the pace of the money, but people are waking up. Science is above, then corporation takes advantage of the science and sells you whatever it feels like. And if the science said genes control your life, then pharmaceutical and hospitals take advantage of that. But if science says your consciousness controls your life, you're not going to buy the drugs. You're not going to go to the hospital. Why? Because over 90% of illness has nothing to do with genes. They say, well, where the hell is all the disease coming from? Stress. And this, I guess, brings us to the real conundrum, which is it's actually a huge amount of responsibility to start to really understand that our thoughts have such an impact on our health outcomes. And so what is your advice and thoughts for actually even, I know it sounds ridiculous, but that thought being quite stressful for people, because I know being human, sometimes life doesn't unfold as you want it to. You know, we kind of hit disappointments. We want the job. We didn't get the job we wanted. Is that because we are victims of the world? Most of us are living in fear. When did that start? And here's an important date. I'll tell you when it started, about four or five years of age. What happened? You found out things died. Mm. No animal on this planet has any knowledge about it's not going to live forever. The only one that knows that is a human. You know what's interesting? The first fear wasn't about your death. First fear was about your parents' death. Yes. Because, oh my God, what if I'm a kid and my parents die? First fear. But around five, six, the fear changes because then you become self-aware and you say, wait, I'm one of those people. I'm going to die. There's something built into our world called the biological imperative, the drive to stay alive. Once you have a fear of death, your biological imperative is like forefront. It's always looking. It's looking at everything. Why? Because in your mind, what you want to do is avoid that death. Therefore, then what? Then we must program ourselves to stay alive. I said, where do you get the program from? Your parents, because they're the ones that brought you into this. So you watch your mother, you watch your father, you watch your siblings and the community in the first seven years of life. And the significance is the first seven years of your life, your brain is operating at a frequency called hypnosis. You don't have to read a book to know the program. Just observe. Watch your father. Watch your mother. That's your program. If you're a boy, then you try to emulate your father and whatever he's trying to do and look for a partner that resembles something the way your mother. Why? Because that's the other half of the pair. Ha! And if you're a woman, you do the same thing in reverse. Like, you know, generally, you look the other way. Your programming is to create that. I go, yeah, but what if that was dysfunctional? Well, how did you know you were an infant? <laughs> you just created it anyway. You downloaded the good programs and the bad programs. Why? You didn't have a filter of consciousness to say good, bad. You just downloaded all the programs. Hmm. The negative programs outweigh the positive programs in human evolution, human family, and history. Let's turn this thing around for a second. The conscious mind's a creative mind, but it only works 5% of the time because it's thinking. But when people fall in love, guess what? They stop thinking. They stay mindful. I said, what the hell does that mean? I say, instead of thinking, there's the person you were looking for. 
They're right in front of your face. It's not time to think. It's time to be with them. Oh, then paying attention, being in the moment, living in mindfulness right now is what I'm living. I go, oh, then you're not thinking. That was the point. I say, what happens when people stop thinking? The program stop playing. Then what? They're creating from what? The conscious mind, not the subconscious programs. Why? They're not thinking. I say, what's the conscious mind? Wishes and desires. <gasps> the honeymoon. The honeymoon is not an accident. People fall in love. Uh, 24, they have crap, 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 crap. They fall in love. 24 hours later, it's like, hey, life is beautiful. <laughs> you stop playing the program. You stop thinking and you're manifesting. And that's why blah, blah, blah turns into heaven on earth in 24 hours. Do you think, though, that that falling in love moment is also, it feels quite divine, right? Because, you you know, there's no kind of rhyme or reason as to who you fall in love with. So, Well, there is. There's a lot of reason why you fall in love, and it has to do with vibration and energy, but that's another conversation. But right now, it's no accident when you fall in love. When you fall in love with somebody, what behavior are you expressing? The conscious wishes and desires that you want to be. But guess what? Shortly, you still have a job. You have responsibilities. You got to do things. And I say, what does that mean? I start thinking. I say, then what happens when you start thinking? The programs that you did not play because you were not playing programs anymore. You were living off a conscious creation. And all of a sudden you start thinking, guess what? The programs you didn't play start to show up. The behavior you're playing is not the creative mind one. Now it's the parent program one. And you don't see it, but your partner does. And if those are negative programs, which a lot of them are, then your, pro your partner is looking at you going, what happened to the heaven on earth? Who are you? Where did that come from? The honeymoon came because you stopped playing the programs. And the honeymoon ends because you start playing the programs. It was that period in between, no programs. And that was a period of total creativity. For the first time, you are using your consciousness as a creator and not your subconscious. And what did you make? Heaven on earth. I go, it was here every day. That life is here every day until you play those programs again. Practically speaking, how do we return to the conscious mind? Because I think that, and I know from a lot of people that, you know, listen to the podcast, and people I've spoken to, they've read your books and rationally you're like, okay, I get it. And there's so much passion and want and desire to want to yeah. be not playing the programs. We're all desperate to break away from our childhood patterns. So there is one way out. And the idea is not to stay mindful your whole life. That is very difficult because we have so many obligations and family, community, world, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I'm not going to say, oh, stay mindful the rest of your life. That's a good idea, but it's not going to happen. Mm. So there's only one other thing to do. And I go, what is it? Rewrite the programs that you downloaded in the first place and replace them with programs that manifest wishes and desires programs versus the ones you downloaded. Mm. My father and mother had a very dysfunctional relationship. Uh, guess what? I downloaded my father's behavior. The rest of my life, I'm trying to make a relationship. Guess what? They never worked out because 95% of the day I was playing the program that my father had, which of course caused everything to get screwed up. 
It was 40 plus years of repeating the same stupid behavior until I started to understand what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Then I said, well, wait a minute. The only way to change it instead of staying mindful is to rewrite the program. And that's when I got into it. I said, well, how do you rewrite the program? Mm -hmm. You can only change them in the same way you created them. First seven years of your life, your brain was operating a low vibration. That's when you put wires on a person's head and they call electroencephalograph and they read the brain function. It's a lower vibration at, up until age seven, a vibration that is not level full consciousness. It's called theta vibration. But theta is hypnosis. For seven years, you didn't have to work at it. All you had to do was watch it. Hypnosis, boom, down, download, download, download. Everything you saw, download. No work. Why? Hypnosis. Well, I don't have to do anything. The brain did it. Well, if you can get into theta mindset, that's a state of hypnosis. I go, well, what is state of mindset? It's a vibration level of the brain just below consciousness, just below. I say, so how do I get there? I go, fall asleep. Well, I'm awake. My vibration is a higher vibration. But the moment that I close my eyes at night and I'm boom, gone, I'm now at a lower vibration called theta. So in other words, every night as you go to bed, as soon as you disconnect, there's a short period of time where the brain is operating at the lower vibration theta, which is hypnosis put uh, ear pods or earphones on, play a program of what you want to be true in your life. Relationships, health, I don't care, make money, I don't care what it is, whatever program you want to be true. And at night, just before you go to bed, you put the program on and you might hear the program while you're still awake, but a moment you're going to be gone and you won't hear the program. But the subconscious mind in a window is operating at record theta. It's called self-hypnosis. And you repeat this every night for a number of nights. And the reason why it takes a little bit longer is because the period from uh, consciousness being awake, theta, and then the lowest one, delta, sleep. You're in a little zone between awake and asleep. It's a short zone. But while you're in that zone, the mind is in a state of record. So whatever's coming through the earphone iPod, iPod, ear pads or whatever, uh, that, that's going straight into the subconscious mind. It's called self-hypnosis. That's easy to do. Oh, wait, back up one second. What are my programs? <laughs> I go, a lot of them were put in even before you were born. Like when you were in the mother's tummy. You were already being programmed because the blood of the mother containing the chemistry which controls the genetics of the fetus is going from the mother's body into the placenta. Wow. And wow. the fetus is living off of the mother's blood. And if she's stressed out, then the stress chemicals are going into the fetus and changing the genetics. If wow. she's happy, love chemistry is going in and enhancing the growth of the fetus. I go, the mother is genetic engineer. And I go, well, the, what about the father? I go, well, he's an important part. Why? Because if he screws up, it messes up the mother. And that messes up the baby. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, then parents have to live in beautiful harmony. Why? Because then the chemistry in their body will enforce the vitality of their child. Wow. From zero to one was a year of programming. From one to two was a year of programming. From two to three was a year of programming. Go back and tell me the messages that you downloaded in those programs. You go, well, how would I know what the programs are? And the easy part is 95% of your life is the program. I say, so what are my programs? I say, Look at your life. Wow. The things that you like that come into your life, they just come into your life. They didn't get there by accident. They got there because that's a program that you're manifesting. 
But the things <laughs> that you don't like that come into your life, that's part of the program. Mm. So we look at your life and say, wherever you're struggling, you have a destination. I want to go from here to there. If anything gets in the way of that destination, that's a stressor. Mm. Whether it's making a living with money, I, I'm not making enough money, or my health is not, I can't get healthy mm. enough, or I can't find a relationship. I say, okay, what's the problem? I say, not because you don't deserve it. Mm. It's your program is not giving it to you. That's what you want to change. So I know which ones I want and which ones I want to change. And that's how you know. So just look at your life right now. Anything you work hard at, anything you sweat over, anything you put a lot of effort into, I'm I'm making this happen. Why are you working so hard? The answer is because the program you have doesn't support that and you're going against yourself. (laughs) You're struggling with your your conscious mind and saying, I want this and your subconscious mind, you can't have it. (laughs) I go, whoa. I go, then who's winning? I say, conscious mind, 5%. Subconscious mind, 95%. Do the math. (laughs) So let's say, I'll give you an example. You've tried really hard, prepared for this job interview. And, you know, you've been doing the mantras. You're like, you know, I do deserve this. I I really think I'm ready for this promotion. And you go in, you think you've done a really good job interview. And then a week later, you find out you haven't got it. How would you, with all your tools, and and you're obviously naturally a human being, you'd feel crushing disappointment. What would you do in that moment? Because it, you can't fight with reality. Reality has said you can't get the job. So do you then blame yourself? We are creators of that reality. So the first thing is this. Instead of blaming, oh, that person had interviewed me, they screwed up. <laughs> they didn't understand me. It was their fault I didn't get the job. I go, wait, stop long enough and recognize this. At that interview, were you being you or were you being the program? Did you get a program from your parents, not good enough, not lovable, not deserving, which a lot of kids get? Then whatever behavior you're going to throw out there, you're going to manifest a, a, a behavior that will return not loving, not deserving. If you were programmed, you don't deserve this. Who do you think you are? And I go, oh, that's a bad program. Why? Because you will create behavior that will manifest the program. The behavior always is in harmony with the program. Even if it's so subtle that you wouldn't, you probably don't even realize that some of this behavior is so subtle. You don't realize it. We're playing programs. We're the only ones that we can't see. Everyone else does it. The guy that's doing the interview saw your program, didn't see you necessarily. Your conscious mind was freaking out at the interview and the subconscious mind took over. And what did the interviewer see? You, conscious mind, or you, subconscious program? They didn't see you, conscious mind, wishes, desires. They didn't see that one. They saw a program. If I have a program I'm not deserving, then my behavior has to manifest a behavior that will reveal I am not deserving. So I go to the job interview with a conscious mind. I deserve this job. I'm the best person for it. You're in the interview. Your mind is wandering like, oh, I hope this is going well, blah, blah, blah. I go, yeah, but while you're thinking, guess what? You're still talking and Mm. you're still behaving. And that behavior that you're not paying attention to, I say, what is that? That (laughs) is the sabotage behavior you didn't see. And you sabotaged it. And the whole point about it is this. Then I'm feeling I'm a victim when I walk away. I say, no, you were a creator but you didn't own the word that nobody wants to hear, responsibility. Mm. The idea about it is uh, at that interview, where did the problem come from, the interviewer or you, the interviewee? Generally, the interviewee. 
you know, uh, th this runs in families. This, uh, and I go, there's a famous book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And this book says, if you're raised in a poor family, you'll inevitably stay poor because that's the behavior that manifests poverty that you were downloaded with through the family. And if you were born in a rich family, you will be downloaded with unconscious behavioral programs that will give you the advantage over everything else. What happened in that first seven years determined the outcome. If you came from a poor family, seven years of programming of why you don't deserve is manifesting and then you don't deserve. Do you think that psychotherapy is a good way to intervene? Because I feel like we've dropped, for some people, a huge bombshell <laughs> and a huge kind yeah. of like, whoa. How do we support people in their journey to really, first of all, understanding their programming? Because as you said, it's incredibly subtle for all of us. And then also being free of it. Okay, number one, A, we know what the programming is because all you have to do is look at your life. The things, again, that you like and come into your life. No worry about that. It's a program and things that you struggle over it is because you have a program not supporting that. And then we say, how do you change it? And the first one I said was, oh, uh, what do we do? We can do self-hypnosis. Self-hypnosis, yeah. The second way of changing a program is to practice a new behavior because that is how you make a habit. I go, you could be a miserable person and all day, every day you go, I am happy. I am happy. Not because you are. I'm just saying repeat it. Because the mind learns from repetition, mm. habituation. You just keep saying it. I go, why? You could be miserable. I say, still say, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I go, why do you keep saying that? And I say, because there'll be a day you'll wake up and you'll automatically be happy because it downloaded that program by repetition. And you woke up because the function of the mind is to make the program real. If it's a good program, then great. That's, that's a positive outcome. And if it's a bad program, then I'm sorry the mind will make that real as well, mm. okay? And then now the psychology issue and the idea, and, uh, and this is really critical, is there's a new version of psychology called energy psychology. Mm. It's not based on the past. The past is irrelevant. It's mm. already happened. Mm. Uh, a lot of people want to go back and beat up the person who caused the problem and say, they caused the problem. My mom did this. My dad did that. And I go, that's irrelevant. You, you walked away with the problem. You didn't walk away with them. Right. So going back and beating them up is ridiculous. Why? I want to change the problem. I said, do I have to go backwards? I said, no, you can tell you what the problem is right now. Just look at your life. That's what we just said. So all of a sudden I say, well, then the new psychology says, I don't need to go back. I need to stay right here and move this way forward. Energy psychology is a way of super learning to rewrite programs in a super learning state faster than self-hypnosis or repetition. If I want to change a belief, you can use energy psychology and change a program in 15, 20 minutes. Once you know what the program is you want to change and got it clear, once you know what you want, you can then reprogram it. How long? 10, 15 minutes. I go, oh, well, that's not go session after session after session. I go, no, you can do this real fast. But uh, just to help people real quickly, on my website, Bruce Lipton dot com. There's a resource that says belief change. And under that is something called directory. And there's about 25 different modalities of energy psychology that are shown to be effective. Take a look at them. Pick one. One that sounds like that's a cool one. Whatever one that feels good. And that is to my way of concluding is the fastest, most direct way of taking back power over your life is using energy psychology to rewrite the limiting programs that you've identified because that's where your life is limited. 
Bruce, you're just the greatest icon to be talking about this because your energy is so infectious that I can just feel it across the screen. So let me me conclude with something here, Poppy. Very important because I said I got dysfunctional behavior from my father 40 plus years. No relationship could manifest because my own unconscious behavior would sabotage it. Once I learned and rewrote that program, I have been blessed to be in a relationship with my partner, Margaret, for now over 30 years of living the honeymoon every day. What's your piece of advice for a long-lasting happy marriage? I have a relationship where when one person says something that came from their program and they didn't see it, but the other person responded because it was like, ah, like that, that leads to arguments. Arguments break the honeymoon and it's gone. But if two people both know and both need to know this, not just one, both Mm. partners in a relationship need to both know that sometimes these programs show up and the person playing them has no idea they even said it, but the person receiving it certainly got impacted by it. How about a discussion Mm. rather than an argument? Because if both people know it, then the one who just said it would go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was being my father. I didn't realize I was playing my mother. And then you can work things out. But if you go to the argument level, that is why 50% of marriages end in divorce, because when those bad programs become repetitious, because they're habits, they so destroy what was the invention of the honeymoon that it doesn't exist anymore. And I said, well, what if you put in, rewrite those programs to have all honeymoon images? Life is love. Life is beautiful. Life is wonderful. Food is great. Music is wonderful. And guess what? There's your life. And lastly, before I let you go, what is a quote that you return to often? Or is there a mantra that you like to remind yourself of that kind of nudges you back into your divine alignment? Well, it's just basically... When things aren't right, I have to stop right there and say, wait, change the subject. Because mm-hmm. whatever was in my mind at that time, mm-hmm. if I created something that just didn't feel right, I have to own, I did that. So I'm the one that says, well, change my mind. Change, think about something different. Get off of that pathway right away. Right. Start to say it's wrong, just let go. And if that's taking your your mind and manifesting it, then you sure as hell, you're never getting out of that loop because you never let go of the loop. <laughs> So the idea is just look at it. The moment it's not working right, say, okay, I'm doing something different. Get out. Ah, You're amazing. I so deeply appreciate you and your work. Uh, I'm enjoying downloading stuff. (laughs) They're amazing. Thank you so much for this wonderful episode. I really deeply appreciate it. And I'll make sure that there's links to everything you mentioned, like your website, the links to the energy psychology, which I think is going to be deeply useful for people. And of course, links to your books, because Biology of Belief, I mean, it's supposed to be 15 years old now, that book. I think you had your 10-year anniversary a few years ago. 18 now, going on more. Okay, but uh, that and The Honeymoon Effect. And the honeymoon effect, we'll put links to those. Um, they're iconic pieces of work that really are the foundations for so much of what other people talk about. So thank you so much for all your work in this lifetime. It's truly appreciated. Thank you so much. And thank you for the audience we have because um, everyone that starts to want to live heaven on earth turns the planet to heaven on earth. So thank you all. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today, please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much. I'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so. 
My mental health book, Happy Not Perfect, is available to order now. The book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker, a skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions, and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. Until next time, I love hearing from you, so do shoot me a message on Instagram, send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.